Welcome to the deep place on creativity and spirituality. Friends, you are listening to season three of the Deep Place podcast. And in this season, we are going on a journey, the creative journey. My name's Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, let's go. Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen. As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land, and we thank Auntie Di Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. So there was this one day uh, when I'd flown halfway around the world <laughs> to, to go to this, uh, this beautiful event called The Breath and the Clay, right? And, uh, and I land in this place called San Francisco. And then I, I get this call from the man that I'm chatting to right now, uh, Mr. Stephen Roach. Welcome to the Deep Place podcast. You had to start with the zombie apocalypse, didn't you? <laughs> so what happened when you called me on that day? What do you remember? What did you have to say? Oh, it was it was a lovely conversation. I got to tell you that you had flown halfway around the world only to turn back around and get back on the plane because the whole world had shut down. <laughs> Good memories, good times. We've it was had some wonderful. good times together. It's the, it's, <laughs> it's the best memory that never happened. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, so I so so Stephen's conference, the Breath and the Clay, was the uh, conference that I was heading over in the, to the states for, uh, right as the pandemic hit, um, and uh, it was right at that point where I was like, should I go? Is oh it? And gosh. we just didn't know. And then in while I was in the plane, everything. The uh, the shit at the fan and yes. it all and and uh, we had to oh. we had to change things up and I came home that was a delightful trip, <laughs> dude. It was it was absolute chaos here. You have no idea. <laughs> we had uh, I mean because and for people listening that may not know, I mean the breath and the clay we had about six to eight hundred artists from all over the world that were flying and coming to this event. And it was scheduled to take place the week of COVID. And so we had interns who were here from Canada and from other parts of the United States. And we're like all shacked up in houses all over, you know, uh, Winston-Salem and, and North Carolina waiting for this event. And it was like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it going to happen? And... Unfortunately for you, my friend, they shut the whole thing down right, right when you landed. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had 36 hours in uh, planes and airport. It was, it was lovely. It was a glorious time. But now uh, we can move on from that. Um, but you do, Mr. Stephen Roach is a dear friend of mine. Uh, I think I first met Stephen. I think actually the first time I saw you was um, at uh, the Wild Goose Festival. I saw you performing right. with Songs of Water. And I'm not sure if we ever got to speak on that occurrence. I think the first time we got to hang out was when you came to Australia for something. Yes, I remember that. I remember you were performing and me. Uh, we were walking around the festival and I heard this Australian accent dropping mad heat with his words. And uh, 
<laughs> I was like, man, I want to know this guy. Of course, you had a lot more dreads at that point than, than <laughs> yeah, currently right. donning. <laughs> uh, that's right. So we um we connected. I think then back in Australia a little while later at at various conferences over mm-hmm. the years, back and forth between yes. the US and Australia. Stephen is a um, a multi instrumentalist musician with songs of water. You um, run this beautiful community over the have brought together this beautiful community, the Breath and the Clay, and the your podcasting with the Makers and Mystics podcast. Um, you do many, like you wear many, and you're a writer, you've got books, you've got kids books, you've got uh, a book you released just as we went into the pandemic. Good timing, Stephen, just as I, I have a We're brilliant with our timing. <laughs> That's right. I, <laughs> I released mine just before the pandemic, you release yours just after. Yeah. It's, it's good timing. So you wear all these creative hats. It kind of remind. it does kind of remind me of... Uh, of someone else, the person who you're you're yes. talking to right now. <laughs> We're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think like it's a beautiful, like it's the, the joy that I get from playing with all these different creative ads. What is it? I want to start with what is it for you? Like this smorgasbord approach to creativity, really this plethora of stuff. Mm-hmm. Why, what is that for you? Why are you like, why do you have all of these creative hats? That's uh, a great question, you know, and I think for me, it's it's uh, it's a bit of a playground. I don't I don't know. I think huh. that I, you know, and and for those listening, I've I've explored probably twenty different instruments just in music alone. Like I, I started playing a lot of world percussion. I studied classical Indian tabla, West African djembe, you know, I played Middle Eastern music professionally for a number of years. My family are all bluegrass musicians. And so I was just always surrounded by different sounds and and different uh, forms of art. And and so I don't know if it, it it's it's one expression will cause me to come alive for a season and then it's huh. like I feel it on something else and it's like I'm I'm mm. just constantly reinventing myself is is kind of what it when it boils down to and uh mm. I see you as well as myself we're both surrounded by books in the background as we're sitting here <laughs> yeah. talking and yeah. it's just it's just like these different books I have to explore them all and so for me it just uh yeah it's just a part of what makes life um, exciting to live for me. It's it's discovering wonder in everything I can get my hands on, you know? That's so good. I love how you described it as it, it feels like some, like something else begins to call you, something else mm-hmm. comes alive from you, you're in this season of something and then how does that calling happen for you? Like, is it just this, oh, that looks interesting? Is it a curiosity? Is it a, a feeling is it a someone says something that says something what does that look like often for you that moves you on to the next thing yeah my process is very intuitive like it's Mm -hmm. it's taken me a while to get um the more analytical side of my brain to catch up with the intuitive side but for Mm. me i usually feel something explore it and then there's a time that i step back from that and then let my analytical brain put some parameters on it and john cleese if you know who john cleese is he is yeah yeah he's a tremendous inspiration for me and he talks a lot about open mode and closed mode and Hmm. for him open mode is when 
everything is on the table. All possibilities mm. are there. You, you don't judge or critique. You just let all the bad ideas come out. You let everything come out. And after a time, then you back up and you put on your analytical hat and you begin to critique and, and shape and form uh, what you've done. But I think for me and maybe for many artists, we have to learn to differentiate those. And for you as a writer, I'd be curious mm. to know that about you as well. Like there's, mm. if you try to edit when you're in the creative space, you're going to cause a train wreck in your process. I mean, I guess some people totally. can, you know, some people might be able to be creative and edit at the same time. I can't, I, I have to let myself go and, and, and learn how to differentiate open mode and closed mode. Yeah, I mean, exactly the same. I think it often, I think to have some constriction to start with is a, a, a good thing to have yes. a direction to head into. But yes. but if it's much more than a direction for me, then then that begins to hinder the process. So I yes. think it's a, a vague direction-y idea of, of something stirring and then, mm -hmm. and then it's that open mode um, mm -hmm. and creative play and creative flow and, mm -hmm. and then coming back into the closed mode for editing and that kind of, yeah, yes. brilliant way to describe it. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I've been I've been learning as I've matured in my creative process, you know, how to set those initial parameters like you're talking about, you know, and I think mm. uh, somebody said one time that a wild horse will run and run until they find their borders. And I think mm. for me, that's been true for good or for ill in my life. Mm. I've, I've run and I've run until I've found the borders. But once I find those borders there's a free space inside of that. And, uh, wow. So I think that's, Oh, I love that I idea. Mm -hmm. I love that idea playing in that free space. Um, in so deep place podcast, we're talking this season around the creative journey, um, about how we can both kind of dive into, um, the, the deep things with inside us, mm -hmm. uh, and then also translate them out into the world, um, mm -hmm. in a way that people can engage with, um, and I was wondering with you, like as an instrumentalist, um, a, a musician taking, like you're translating in a depth into something that has no words, like mm -hmm. in, in that instrumental, in, in that musician kind of process. And I, I'm just wondering what that has taught you kind of about the movement into this depth and then coming back out again, mm -hmm. um, going into the depth and then to the surface. Uh, yeah. Like, cause I use words to do so. And I know you write and all that stuff as well in your podcast, which is all the word stuff, but what is the, what is the musician in you? How, mm -hmm. how does that work? What does that teach you about that process? Yeah. Well, I know that most of my life there have always been things that I felt but I did not know how to bring them into words. And I think that's part of the reason why I explored poetry and writing, but I also found that poetry and writing could lead me to the cliff, but I had to eventually leap, you know, and, mm. and the instrumental music is what I found after the leap out of words, you know? And, wow. and so wow. there, there are many emotions that I have felt uh, I'm a very uh, Enneagram four, you know, is is strong here. And, <laughs> and so I feel a lot, but I've not always known how to express it in mm. words. And so music has always provided um, that safe place to explore some of the things that words haven't been able to express.
Um, is there, like, I'm wondering the process as well of you going into that space. Um, is there clear things that you do that takes you, that that translates those deep feelings into mm. music or is it just the intuitive feeling it out again and you know your craft so well it just comes? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting for me, music has always been a very spiritual practice for me. It's been a very, mm. it's been a very deeply spiritual practice for me most of my life. And I've interpreted what that means and how, what language I put on that expression at different points in my life, but it's always been spiritual. And, and so mm. often I've, I've gravitated toward very rhythmic, toward very rep, rep, uh, repetitious, trancey, yeah. droney kind of music, you know, and I think that's yeah. why I was attracted to some of the Eastern sounds, you know, that with the drone that comes with that, because mm. it lends itself to, you know, uh, in some cases, an altered state of, of mind or, you know, something to, to dive super deep, but yeah, not even going that far into it. Um, it postures the heart in a particular place. And so I think that for me, it's, it's been setting the stage. And when, when we used to perform and I'm not a touring musician at this, at this point in my life, I am still composing mm. for film and television. Uh, we're actually working with an Australian animation company right now that hired us to create um, music for their, their animation short that they're making. But oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, but um, ha when we were touring, I had this thing that I called tuning the room. And what we would do is for like the first 30 seconds, sometimes a minute long, we're just holding a single note. And wow. usually it hushes the room and it brings everybody yeah. together into uh, a, the same space. And then from there, you kind of launch out into into some of the other experiments or into some of the other things. But for me, that's that's what it's been, is that that musical expression has always been a way to get in touch with the heart space and to get in touch with some of the things that I haven't been able to express with words. Mm. Oh, I love that idea of tuning the room. And mm -hmm. like I love it how it uh, translates, I suppose, to our own individual practice as well our own individual creativity in terms of coming into not like you come into it whether it's a chaotic i don't know pub space or yes. festival space and you mm -hmm. and and the sound brings the centeredness i wonder if it's the same with like i wonder if we need to tune the room when we come into our creative space in the in the chaos of our lives and mm -hmm. all the the chaos that's happening around us maybe we need like a, a way to tune the room to come down to a place of centeredness yeah. and then as you said like create out of that yeah um i wonder what that looks like it's really interesting because i was i was listening to a podcast earlier today and it surprised mm. me because toward the end of the podcast the guy just said okay we're gonna take a minute of silence before the podcast ends and i was like how is a minute of silence going to work on a podcast is, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then, but he did it. And I was just driving my vehicle around town in the middle of the day, running errands. And, yeah. and suddenly like this hush came over my car and I was like, huh. Whoa, this is actually like creating an environment. And it yeah. shocked me that it worked. But I think sometimes 
it's just that simple as taking a pause, resetting, yeah. and then opening the space. And I, I know that um, many artists have like simple rituals that they'll do, whether it's like for someone like you, maybe you sit down and you light a candle on your desk before you get into mm -hmm. the writing process. Perhaps you say a prayer or what you open the space, whatever it might be for you. I think there is something to um, tuning the room or designing the environment. And I know that, you know, mm. you're a father as well as I am, you know, and there's lots of chaos to be had in, in the midst mm -hmm. of life. But I think that those moments where you can set apart um, and create an environment, it really does, at least for me, impact the creative process in a positive yeah. way. Yeah. And I, I like, I like that. Um, like the only difference between when you're just driving in silence in your car normally, cause that's, if you're not listening to music or a podcast, that's what you're doing, but yes. it doesn't have that. It doesn't have, it's not that moment, is it? That's it's not right. that sacred, beautiful moment that, and all that it took was like a tiny bit of intention. Intentionality. Like a tiny that's what bit I was going to say. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, just changed the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> I love that. It is time for a few quick words from our sponsors, like the wonderful people at The Practice Co. Uh, here's what someone said about them in a review of their app. They said, Across the years, I've leaned into a life of faith that was worked out via a list of shoulds and should nots, and that I've gleaned from a four-point sermon. But as life has progressed and real events like death, sorrow, unexpected endings happen, my faith instructions on life have kind of failed me. For me, the daily readings from this app have offered up real words that have helped to frame a different lens that I now do life through. If you want that kind of app to help you every day in your spiritual journey, then go have a look at thepracticeco.com. the Australian College of Ministry. Uh, they're on about developing healthy, effective leaders who can positively impact their own corner of the world. Um, like innovative leadership, flexible online learning, a holistic approach, developing head, heart and hand to engage students in true life-changing experiences. ACOM's doing some really cool stuff. One of the things that they're doing is my own creativity and spirituality unit. If you're interested in accredited study at undergraduate, postgraduate level, then go and have a look at acom.edu.au. You can do a 20-week course alongside me, listening to me talk about creativity and spirituality because I know you don't get enough of it on the Deep Place podcast. You just want more, more, more. So you could go and do that for accredited study. Yes, acom.edu.au. Check it out. Um, hey, I was thinking, because I know, as we were saying before, like both of us similar in terms of the plethora of creative stuff that we're doing um, and and loving that kind of picking and playing and choosing and that kind of thing and getting into it. I, like I also know there's a there's a shadow side to that mm, um, yes. being being for me like an Enneagram three and achiever. And are you are you an Enneagram four with a three wing? Three yeah, with a absolutely. four wing. Absolutely. That, that three wing is strong sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So, so um, there's this recognition of kind of mm -hmm. the, I don't know, the affirmation I'm seeking um, often when I'm 
the, there's the beautiful part of it and there's also recognition of the shadow side. And I wonder mm-hmm. um, what what is that for you? Have you seen the same thing that, yes, you are doing all these amazing, ach- achieving all these amazing, glorious, creative, productive things, mm-hmm. um, but there's got to also be a shadow side there for you too. What does that look like? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, and, and honestly, man, I, I feel like I've been doing shadow work for the past year of my life and, and, yeah. and, and, and really diving into some of that and, and finding healing in places that I've needed healing for a long time. But um, Yeah, you've had a fun last year or two. I mean, bring that in as well if you feel whatever you could bring in yeah, um, and for chat sure. through some of that experience for us because totally. that'll probably tap into this question. Yeah. Well, so as, as far as like, you know, the shadow side of, of um, finding that deep space, the shadow side of that for me would be isolation and escapism. And, and I think that that's where it can get toxic, you know, and, um, and anytime one part of your life gets compartmentalized from the rest of it, you're, you're going to eventually have a shipwreck or a train wreck if you, if you don't address it. And I say that because I had that shipwreck and I understand that experientially, you know, and You know, we began our podcast talking about you getting on the plane, and uh, and it, it it is funny in its own tragic way. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think not only for me, but for so many of us, the past two years have been a very traumatic experience. You know, and yeah. I know for me, uh, I did go through an intense personal crisis, and I set yeah. everything aside. I disappeared for a year. Um, and with the help of some wise leaders and counselors and people that love me and friends in my life, I really set to putting some things back in order and, and doing that shadow work as we're talking about and, and really, Mm. um, reconnecting all the parts of who I am. And, Mm. um, I've, if anybody listens to the makers and mystics podcast, that's listening to this one, they will have heard me say this at least in two episodes during the season, Mm -hmm. but I've been really fascinated by the word integrity and Mm. we often limit the word integrity to moral integrity or, you know, integrity, meaning this guy's not going to screw me over in a business dealing or something like that, you know? And, and so there is that part of integrity, but the, the beauty of that word that we miss is that integrity comes from the root integrate. It comes from, you know, the word that means wholeness, like, and so Hmm. really if we want to live integral lives, it means all the parts of who we are must come together. And so to bring that back to the question you asked me, well, what's, yeah. the, sh- what's the shadow of this? I'm talking about going into all these deep spaces and, and creating environments and all that. But the shadow of it is is uh, compartmentalism and, and a fractured mm. life that's not communicating with all the parts. Wow. I... I love how you phrase that, that anytime compartmentalization, anytime there's something compartmentalized in your life, you're going to head for a shipwreck. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I mean, that's bloody hard, though. Yes. To- <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> because of all the different facets of our life and because mm-hmm. um, there's at least a few of those that we like to run from mm-hmm. um, and ignore. Maybe we ignore them more than actively running from them often. Yes. Um, and I wonder if... Therefore, the creative process is part of the creative process and the spiritual process, like the spiritual journey that we go on, perhaps is just like 
one confrontation of what we want to ignore after another, after another, after another. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's fun, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Come and be a creative, they said. It'll be wonderful. That's right. It's a a great uh, way to attract people to this way of life. (laughs) Come and deal with all of the things you want to avoid. said that in the midst of that you um you were out like you took a, a break a sabbatical mm-hmm. a going out into the desert kind of idea mm-hmm. um what did what what did that look like and how did it help because that's like you were talking about isolation mm-hmm. was something that would bring about the was part of the shadow side but then yeah. the isolation of going out into the desert actually maybe brought about the healing as well it sounds like what is what does that look like yeah it's a, it's a very interesting paradox i guess you'd say you know because um you know i've often said that there's a difference between isolation and solitude and hmm. i thought i knew what i meant at the time uh but i think hmm. i know what i meant a little bit better now <laughs> you know yeah. uh, but isolation tends to be over against whereas um solitude hmm. tends to to be for the purpose of community you know so isolation hmm. is a tearing away from community whereas solitude is replenishing the soul for the sake of community or for relationships if that makes sense and wow. so I think, I think for me, I had uh, definitely gotten away from the healthy part of solitude and into isolation and compartmentalization. And so part of the healing in my own heart was a healthy solitude that welcomed others mm. into my solitude. I know I'm speaking in hmm. very vague terms, That's okay. um, but I guess an example of that would be and I mentioned earlier that music and art for me is deeply rooted in my faith and in my spiritual journey. And so for me, it meant stripping away everything, stripping away social media, stripping away, um, well, the pandemic stripped away events and (laughs) stripped away my ability to travel and, you know, stripped away this and then stripped away that and stripped away this. And then eventually I found myself with nothing but a Bible and a journal. Wow. And so not even me, your, t- not even your um, guitar or your, no, well, you know, what's interesting. Your... Yeah. What's interesting is even musically, everything pared down to me for nothing but the piano. And what's, wow. what's really wow. interesting about that is I don't know how to play the piano. So I, during the past couple of years, I taught myself piano and that's been the instrument to, to give voice to this season. And, yeah. uh, and so it really is, um, it really has been a time of going away from the familiar so that you can return to the familiar with something beautiful to offer, you know? Wow. So it was you, a piano, a journal and a Bible. That's, that's it. 
that's really it. And as you can see, all these books wow. back here, it, it took a you know it took a lot to to not dive into that. I'm usually right reading about five books at a time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but it's it's been interesting even coming back into the land of the living. Um, <laughs> you know. I've only been engaging, re-engaging social media now for like a month. Yeah. And I'm engaging it almost as an observer because I'm like, huh. I've been away from social media for a year, an entire yeah. year. Yeah. And before that, that was the way that I communicated with so many people, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, our Instagram accounts weren't huge, but the breath and the clay was still around 11,000 people that I was communicating with. And Makers and Mystics yeah. had several thousand people that was listening to the podcast at the time. Yeah. And so coming back into that world with a fresh perspective, it, it's, it's made me rethink my relationship to social media altogether and, yeah. and how social media actually impacts us as creatives, how it impacts us emotionally as creatives. And, uh, I think there's a lot we need to learn about healthy ways to engage that. Mm, I love that. Um, you you also mentioned as actually you said this to me the other day that you're because you'd written this book, um, <laughs> name, naming of the naming the animals. That's naming the, name the animals. It? Yes, naming the animals, and um and the book was released, and then you went into <laughs> into your own isolation. Like then you went into the desert. It's right. Like it's, even that even that got stripped from totally. you. Is yeah. that right? Absolutely. It's, it's a wonderful marketing plan. <laughs> I highly suggest it for your next book, Joel. You should. I'm sure your publishers were stoked with that. Oh, they, were, they, they loved the email that I sent that said, I'm so thankful that you worked on this with me, but I'm disappearing and I'm not going to promote it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it, it created a lovely, uh, lovely marketing plan. <laughs> But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Regardless. You know, it's so. true. It's true. And for yeah. me, you know, this was born out of necessity. I mean, filmmakers and, and screenwriters will tell you the character's not going to do, they're not going to get off the couch unless there's an inciting event is what they call it, yeah. the inciting event. Yeah. And so um, sometimes we have to have that kick in the pants that lets us know mm. you know somewhere along the way i've kind of gotten off track and if if i don't mm. if i don't return to the things that matter to me um then nothing is really going to flourish the way that it's intended to flourish and so for me mm. one of the other beautiful things that has been taking place in my life this past year um is reconnecting with my wife and reconnecting mm. with my children um, mm. in a super beautiful way because before the pandemic, I was traveling eight to 10 days a month. I was on an airplane yeah. two or three times a month, you know, and it's fun and I love it and I miss it dearly. Um, yeah. but this season also allowed me to, uh, to be grounded in a good way, you know, in a healthy yeah. way. So, um, oh, you sound just like me once again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Uh, I'm wondering what, with everything stripped away, um, what what are the things you came like now coming out? As you said, like you're recognizing kind of that that um, social media and the effect it has on us. What are you coming out of your time in the desert or your your dark night kind of? Yes. What did you learn in that space that you hold that you're like, oh, this is the important stuff. Like yeah. you, we have all these artists and creatives listening. Some of them in seasons of of wonderfulness. Some of them mm-hmm. would be in the dark night as well. What what do you hold on to coming out of that dark time? You know, it's really interesting, Joel, because I have always been a bit of a visionary. I've always been the one mm. that's like, I see it and we're going to get there. And then mm. I've, I've always been good at rallying the troops and then just headed towards something. But I think one of the things that I recognized is that my sense of calling got mixed up with a bit of personal ambition in some ways. And through that process, um, I inadvertently hurt people that I love, you know, relationships, relationships served the calling, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, even though that was a completely unconscious thing, you know, it wasn't like I was trying to be a jerk or anything. Uh, (laughs) but I did recognize um, coming out on the other side of this, the relationships are the calling. And hmm. and I think especially for us coming out two years, and I mean, goodness gracious, you guys have been locked down even a lot more than we have been here in North mm. Carolina where I live. Mm. There's been a lot of isolation. There's been a lot of mm. um, fractured relationships in the way that, that, that we connect. And so... Part of what I'm taking away from this is I believe that, you know, two writers said it differently, and I like both of them, but Richard Rohr talked about in his book, Falling Upward, um, mm. he talked about the first half of life and the second half of life. And the first half of life is really goal-oriented and driven by establishing your identity and what you're going to do in the earth. But then the second half of life is focused more on commitments and relationships and the things that give your life meaning, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. a book I'm reading now uh, by David Brooks, he's a journalist here in the States, a brilliant man. He wrote a book called The Second Mountain. And it's very similar to that same line of thought. The Second Mountain is... Mm-hmm is when some of the personal ambitions and these things that have so driven us and so felt Mm. so important to us, suddenly we understand that they have to come into agreement with the relationships in our lives that really mean Mm. something to us. And so I think that's that's something um, that I'm bringing out of my dark night of the soul, something I'm bringing out of this, this desert time because, Mm. you know, honestly, man, and this, this might lead into a whole different conversation, but, you know, for me, the tension in my life historically has always been a tension between art or vocation or calling or music or creativity and then family and hmm. responsibilities mm-hmm. at home. And, and, and those two things in the past were always at, on some level or another, they were always in tension in my life. And and I think there's yeah. some of that, that, that is by nature, you know, but I, there has been a beautiful integration and a beautiful resolve in that part of my life that, um, it's, it's pretty significant for me, you know? Yeah. And does it take, 
at a at a practical level is it taking it, do you feel like it's compromising your creative calling to give back now to the family and say no actually relationships is mm-hmm. it's the thing mm-hmm. do, is that compromising like your what you would i don't know your creative success your creative mm-hmm. dreams is that holding you back from that or actually is there is that mm-hmm. i don't know changing what those creative sure. dreams once were you know i think that that was always the fear that it would yeah. do that. And so I think mm. that for me, that was a fear that if, that if I gave into that, that it would create a sense of compromise or that it would diminish some of that creative drive that's in me. But what mm. I've found is absolutely the opposite. What I've found <laughs> is that the things that I've wanted to give my children, I'm actually able to give them now. And so rather than wow. the escapism that kept me off in a corner, suddenly now they're able to see my process in a way in the 13 years of my daughter's life I don't think I've ever been able to express. So it's it's more wow. of an invitation and more of an openness rather than um, in, any kind of detriment to the creative, you know? That's beautiful. It's uh, Any touring artist kind of needs to listen to this podcast, including mm-hmm. myself, like for that reminder. And I think, as you said, I think the... The pandemic has meant a deep reminder of that. And for me, it's been two years of homeschooling children and not mm-hmm. traveling and kind of mm-hmm. the, it's the same learning like that at the heart, it has to be connection to mm-hmm. these important relationships. And then the creative and the business and the creative career can flow out of that. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But it will be, yeah, it's such an important thing to hold on to now as kind of the world's beginning to open up again and things are beginning to happen again and, and you're coming out of your your isolation that you've been in. Um, what a beautiful thing to hold on to, mm-hmm. well, to you know, remember. I, yeah, I mean, it, this is by far the most significant season of my life and by far the most difficult mm. season of my life. And, you mm. know, I, I, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think it's... Um, wrong to call it a dark night of the soul. I mean, St. John of the Cross coined that phrase, you know, 13th century, 14th century writer from Spain uh, talked about the dark night of the soul. (laughs) And, uh, but the beauty that comes from that, it really is worth it. So, I mean, great, another great invitation we're we're giving here is to go through hell. (laughs) You know, you'll find your, (laughs) you'll find beauty. Uh, (laughs) We're really bad at marketing the creative life, aren't we? And the holistic life. That's right. So basically, so so far what we've told everybody is like, you're going to have to go through hell, find beauty, and then right when your book comes out, you need to disappear and not promote it. (laughs) This is how to be a professional artist. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um a a a brilliant 21st century writer um wrote about it like this. He said dirt is composed largely from dead things of the past. Mm. Leaves leaves from previous seasons that fall and decompose. The flesh of dead animals and rotting debris. Those fallen unfulfilled dreams those painful situations, disappointments and broken relationships that don't turn out the way we expect actually become nutrients in the soil that fertilizes the gardens of our future. Dude, you wrote that before you went into this season. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Hearing those words spoken back to me, Joel, is having an impact on me for sure. That's yeah. That, that's amazing. You know, I think 
I think many times, and I don't know if this is true for you in your writing process, but I think many times the things that we're given really are for ourselves and we don't recognize yeah. it until much later, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That Whoever wrote that, that guy should publish a book <laughs> and put that in it. And then, and then nick off for a while so that he can't uh, tour it around the world. <laughs> nick off? Is that an Australian thing? Nick off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick That's off. Australian colloquialism. Bugger uh, off. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, I have to say this too, because this is a great place yeah. for me to, to put this in there. But somebody said that um, if I want to say the Austra to to say the Australian way of saying razor blade, I have yeah. to say rays of light, rays of light, <laughs> rays of light. Ray is that right? What? Can you can you say rays of light? Yeah. What? The way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused right now. Well, if say razor blade, razor blade, yeah, rays of light. <laughs> what? If I want to say razor blade like an Australian, I have to say rays of light. <laughs> Never mind. Just edit that. You went to oh, this. I'm gonna keep this in. Yeah, I'm you keep went this to this. <laughs> you went to this beautiful place, and then there we have it. Razor blade. Exactly as you said, I think sometimes we we write the things we need to hear. Yes. Um, in in reading your book, which which people can get, can't they? They can still yes. get it. It didn't disappear. The people no, can still there. get it. Naming the animals. Yes. And it's like a, a kind of a bit of a kind of theological treaty on creativity. Like it's there's beautiful depth in it. Mm -hmm. um, is that what it, is that is that how you describe your book? Well, there's definitely bits of theology in it, but it's um, it's a very contemplative book. But it is about mm. our creativity as a spiritual process, you know, and it mm. is about the relationship between faith and art, or creativity and spirituality, however you want to word that. Um, and it, you know, because for me, you know, all healthy spirituality is creative at its core, and all creativity mm. is gonna lead to the spiritual. I mean, you know, mm. regardless of, of what you believe or the, the system or the framework that you put around that, creativity and spirituality for me are one and the same. It's that's why I've named the podcast Makers and Mystics, you know. Um, mm. but that's that's what the book is about. And I and I love that that you brought that section up that um, mm. you know, and maybe this will help some other people, but nothing is wasted. Nothing mm. is wasted. You know, the, the dead things from the past do go down into the soil and become the fertilizer for the next season. And, mm. you know, honestly, one of my mentors, he said to me, 
in the midst of the darkest of the darkest place, he said, Stephen, what you're walking through right now feels like complete horseshit was his word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he said, but you're going to come to a time where you discover that it has become the fertilizer for one of the most beautiful seasons of mm. your life. And he hadn't read my mm. book. He didn't know that he was yeah. even speaking a metaphor I'd used. Um, and I'm finding that to be true, Joel. And so that's, that's mm. beautiful that you, that you brought that passage up. But I think it's true for all of us that, that the things that we've walked through um, that have been so gut-wrenching over the past couple of years or even before, you know, mm. uh, um, because trauma, you know, uh, undealt with trauma can be triggered again by other trauma. And I think that the pandemic yeah. has done that for some of us. Things that we thought we had dealt with many years ago kind yeah. of res resurfaced in its own way. And so, um, yeah. you know, but none of that's wasted. Coming into land, we'll, we'll finish it um, here. I'm wondering, I love this, like what I'm hearing throughout this whole talk. And I loved that you, you summed it up in, in saying like the spiritual journey and the creative journey. And this is what I'm hearing are so one and the same. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the dark night that you have gone on in terms of yourself it can't just be compartmentalized into Mm -hmm. your relationships can't just be compartmentalized into your spirituality but when we go through the dark nights of the soul that we go through it's all of us going it's it's our whole selves it's every part of us mm -hmm. um and unless we compartmentalize and then if we do compartmentalize then we're not letting what needs to happen happen we're not letting our creativity into the dark place where you had created this beautiful thing and and then actually it had to sit in the dark for a year as well like um and so i think for me this beautiful conversation has been the encouragement um that it's it's okay to allow it's okay to allow things to die yes. it's okay to allow what needs to be stripped back to be stripped back mm -hmm. even if we're pursuing and we've got all our vibrant creativity etc cetera, etc cetera, actually part of the journey is is sitting in the horse shit um, <laughs> and and finding the fertilizer and is sitting in that yeah. that dark night so I don't know if you just maybe if you want to speak to um, just to finish off um, as, and and as well because you you've been journeying with people for years you've been creating creative communities and you see this in the life of the artist all through um, just some final words from you, uh, maybe of encouragement or what is it that you notice about how artists struggle with this, with these seasons of uh, like these winter seasons when it's not flourishing, when actually you've got to go inside yourself. What would you say? What would you say to finish off? Yeah, I, I think that I would say always, but especially during those times, it's, it's important to have a root system that goes deeper than the art that we make. Wow. And, you know, for me, that's my faith. And honestly, mm -hmm. you know, a part of my process during this year was dealing with some real disappointments and disillusionments mm -hmm. and frustrations. 
within my faith, you know, and, mm. and I know many people have come to that place and, and for their own reasons, maybe they walked away from it or reframed it or abandoned it or deconstructed it or whatever people have, have done. For me, I had mm. to face it. And mm. I think that one of the most beautiful things that an artist can have is an anchor that is rooted um, in a faith, in their spiritual practice, in something that goes deeper than the accolades of the works that we do, uh, that yeah. goes deeper than um, the little hearts that pop up when somebody likes our story on Instagram, <laughs> you know, yeah. than the, yeah. something that goes deeper than the dopamine rush. Um, yeah. you know, and for me that it was certainly returning to the root system of my faith and, uh, huh. and, and, and remembering that, that all things that are visible come from an invisible source. And, um, you know, for me as a follower of Jesus, that's, that's what it took is it took me mm. getting in that deep space and remembering, uh, that I'm accepted in the beloved that mm. I am the beloved, that, mm. you know, and many times that just became my daily meditation that like, it's nothing based on what I do. It's nothing based on my popularity or even what I offer other people. Um, but at the end of the day, even in the mess of my mess, I am the beloved, you know? Mm. And uh, so that would, that would be where I would, I would want to leave off for people. It's been a rich, rich, rich conversation thank you so much for sharing what has been a really hard season mm -hmm. um so that we could sit in the rich the richness of that fertilizer which can only come about because of the decomposition of the shit <laughs> of our lives <laughs> is that the title of the episode <laughs> yeah that'll be a great title maybe i will maybe i will hey thank you Stephen roach for joining us on the deep place podcast thanks for having me john